Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You dial in about anything, otherwise we talk about things that are interesting to us. And to start things out here tonight... uh, It's been a while since we've had an awful police abuse story. That's not because there hasn't been any. It's just because, well, if we all we talked about uh, was police abuse, then it wouldn't really be Be free talk live. Yeah, police abuse radio. uh, Yeah, police abuse live. Uh, And there's so there's plenty of stories out there. There's never a shortage of these things. So please don't think this is just a once in a lifetime occurrence here. The story is from the Raw Story, rawstory.com, where a 20 year old university student in Michigan is in the hospital. And in serious condition after police shot the man Wednesday while serving a drug warrant. He was unarmed, according to investigators. Coming through an apartment's back door, an Ottawa County deputy allegedly shined a flashlight in the student's face, causing him to raise his right hand in front of his eyes. You know, it kind of hurts to have the light shown in your eyes, especially if it's all dark and you're a hippie den. And the officer, whose name was not released, of course, because what we've seen recently is a trend toward police departments actually refusing to reveal information about officers that are under accusation because they don't want the fallout that can come from that. They want to do whatever they can to protect their buddy from any kind of media attention or, or social ostracism that might come out as a result of him shooting some kid in the chest. According to the story, the 20-year-old Grand Valley State University uh, student who survived the shooting said he had no idea the man was an officer, was shot by one bullet in the chest by this cop. And according to uh, Derek's mother in 24-Hour News report, uh, she said he never even had a chance to even see who was coming at him with a bright flashlight in his face. He had no clue. He heard someone knock on his door, and he had no clue. Cops' parents insist. Well, as though raising one's right hand in order to block a light and um, you know being shown in one's face is somehow uh, an evil act. But the cop probably thought he had a gun in it, right? That's going to sh- be the cop's excuse. I'm sure. Well, I thought he was raising a gun. You know, I'm sorry. you know the the likelihood of somebody not having a gun is significantly higher, um, and then it than somebody having a gun. So you know them jumping to that. It seems to me that that guy, like, it, okay, he can still be a police officer, but we're going to take his gun away. Cops' parents insist their son is not a drug dealer. However, he appears to be a marijuana activist, stating on his Facebook page that he likes to smoke a Dabolski. <laughs> this guy sounds like a real dangerous guy, right? Clever. Uh, and on his YouTube page, in a video entitled Hippie Lunchtime Hour, he makes references to baking marijuana-infused brownies. In another, he plays the fictional role of an acid dealer whose friend goes on a psychedelic journey through cliché colors. Cop's parents were not notified of the shooting by the police. They allegedly the, found the out... The kid's name is Cop. Apparently so, yeah. Derek Cop. Excuse me, I didn't mention that. Derek uh, Derek Cop's parents were not notified. Of, they found out six hours later. Nice. The officer is on paid administrative leave because you never want to make sure the police go without getting paid for doing no work. Police have said, or have rather not said, whether they even found any drugs in Cop's apartment. Well... Now, I don't think that it really, you know, marijuana. This was done over marijuana. It likely, yeah, it was done over marijuana. Monday, a group of about 25 protesters gathered outside the Ottawa County Sheriff's Department holding signs which read, Don't shoot, I'm unarmed. And why did you shoot my friend? 
I wonder what the, the cops have to say in response to this. Uh, according to... Dirty drug addicts, I'm sure. The university president, I want to know what brought the enforcement team to Derek's apartment and why a firearm was discharged. He sent an email out to the cops uh, asking that. The fact that this incident took place off campus diminishes neither my interest nor my concern. Jim DeVree with the Police Officers Association. It's of nice Mich- that the, uh, the, the university cares, but what if this kid wasn't a university student? Then who would care? Somehow this this yeah. bureaucrat, which is what a, you know an administrator administrator is for a college, yet another government employee. His his words have some kind of value. No, they don't. Jim DeVries from the Police Officers Association Not more of Michigan than else's, I should say. said the deputy is required by contract to give a statement in any internal sheriff's department investigation that could impact his job, but it cannot be used by prosecutors for any criminal charges. So far, so, no internal statement. So he has he he doesn't have the right to remain silent, but the things that he uh, says is you know can and will won't won't and may not be uh, may not yeah. be used against him. So far, no internal statement has been requested. DeVries said it's not unusual for a union-represented officer to forego speaking with investigators in a shooting incident, and he doesn't think it gives an appearance of wrongdoing. <laughs> no problems here. Derekop's family, in the meantime, has hired Grand Rapids attorney uh, Fred Dilley in a statement. He says, we have some very important questions about what appears to be some shocking police activity. Dilley says his client is making a satisfactory but guarded recovery. The bullet tore through his upper right lung and liver and damaged two ribs. This kid's lucky to be alive. He's lucky that cop didn't put two in his chest and one in his head. These cops well, are I, looking for you know, opportunities. The cop would, be, would, would be better off currently if he had, and that's a problem. That's true. He could plant Incentivizing something on him. Incentivizing um, you know, cops to kill people. That's true. He, he could plant something on him. He could plant uh, some drugs or a gun or something like that on him and then make him look like he was a bad guy. That cop shouldn't not, – not that cop – they shouldn't be sending police officers in on these drug raids. There's no reason for the cops to be going into this kid's house. Sure there is. It's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, well, that's fun. Anyway. It's really exciting to them. They're really into this sort of thing. They're into kicking people's doors in. They're into shouting. They're into toting around their, uh, their weaponry some and are. pointing them at people. Those who are on the SWAT team – most likely are. You know, they've essentially self-selected themselves because that's what they're interested in doing. And we know from talking to Barry Cooper on this show, former law enforcement officer, who has essentially outed the cops and said these guys are adrenaline junkies. He knows. He worked with them. He was a narcotics officer for years, one of the top cops down in Texas. So I trust what Barry Cooper has to say on that. So, uh, continuing the story here, organizers say they've, uh, they're have they putting together an event. Protesters are being heard by the Ottawa County Sheriff's Department. I'm sure they really care. <laughs> After a brief meeting, they decided to sit down and discuss the issue as soon as the investigation is complete. I wonder what the investigation is going to find out. Well, if we go by past experience, the investigation will determine after a careful review of the evidence that officer, whatever his name is, we don't know, it's being held back, that the anonymous union officer was found completely innocent of all wrongdoing. He was just following the book. If somebody raises their arm at a cop, they deserve to be shot in the chest. That's my prediction for how this will turn out. It's probably a good prediction. Yeah. I mean, that's usually how these things turn out. Well, if it gets really, really sticky, they'll give him a medal. Oh, yeah, you're right. They do like to do that, don't they? Now, I'm not saying that they give him the medal for shooting the hippie. No, they'll find something else. They give him the medal. um, Bravery. Right, in order to shield him. You know, this is an award-winning cop now. Mm Mm-hmm. According to the story here, national media has been absent on the case, and local media has focused. You know, it's not the – it's – you know, it's – 
it's the the root of this problem isn't this police officer because I can understand why somebody would be you know somebody raises their hand in front of me as a police officer you get that just that flash of a second just that moment to decide whether or not your gun's already out mm-hmm. you, you know this is a bust I'm assuming a SWAT team his gun's already out it's pointed at the guy the guy raises his hand pop I can understand that. I, I'm not saying it's good. I, I don't condone it or anything like that. The problem is the drug war itself. Right. They were there in the first place. Now, if they were actually in a, you know, the house of somebody who was holding another person at gunpoint, hopefully they would have uh, assessed the situation carefully before going in and doing something like this. Whereas with the drug situation, with any drug raid, usually what happens is they just find out where the person lives and they go in with guns a blaring. They don't do any sort of undercover buys. They don't scope out the inside first. They get, in many cases, a tip from some anonymous informant or some informant, some drug addict himself that's trying to get out of, uh, you know, get out of some charges or something like that. He says, yeah, I bought some weed over there at this uh, college kid's house. And then, you know, the next day they get a a warrant from the, uh, they get a warrant and signed by the judge and they go in with, they kick in a door. Yeah. That's what happened with that uh, Clarice or whatever her name was down in Atlanta, the the little the ninety two year old woman. Yeah, that uh, they shot and killed her. Yep, and then they home. made up a bunch of crap afterward yep. to try to cover up. Because cops are just such good guys. Now I know there are some good cops out there, but there are a lot of really bad ones. In fact, there is a story that we'll share with you here. Of course, we'll take your calls also about whatever you want. But coming up, there's a story about a former police chief who's come out to say that law enforcement doesn't pick bad apples, it makes them. So we'll see what he thinks about all this coming up here in moments. And there's a few more details on the story about the cop shooting the unarmed pothead. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams. There's a broadband version, a dial-up version, and even a webcam all waiting for you free at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Also, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It is your best chance for liberty in your lifetime. Head over to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. The concept is very simple. Bring as many liberty-loving individuals to the same geographic location as possible so they can then get active in a way that heretofore has never been seen in the liberty movement. And it's already begun with hundreds of people having already moved early to New Hampshire. And you can join us. Head over to freestateproject.org to learn more. Get involved. That's freestateproject.org. As we continue here from rawstory.com, yet another police tragedy. A, a police-created tragedy, one that never had to exist, one that there was, there was no reason for this to, to, uh, to happen besides the insanity of the war on drugs. And as you pointed out, Mark, this young man would not have a hole in his chest right now if it weren't for the war on drugs. 20-year-old guy in college gets raided by the police looking for a little bit of marijuana or maybe a lot, doesn't matter how much it was. The cops come in. By the way, the cops have uh, not even claimed to have found drugs in this raid. 
And it wouldn't matter if they did, because the raid itself never should have happened, because the war on drugs should not be happening. It's a war on our friends and family members. This 20-year-old kid was not a gangster thug going around shooting his competition. He's just another college kid selling a little bit of weed to, so he can afford some textbooks. Maybe selling weed. I mean, we don't know. We're, presu- we're presuming. From the evidence, it sounds like he certainly did use marijuana. but It's not uncommon for somebody to, to, to purchase, in college. College to purchase an ounce of marijuana and quarter it up for their friends. Not uncommon at all. So that if, if he was doing any kind of sales, it probably was on that level. Or you know he might go and buy himself a half pound and then and then parcel it out to the you know the rest of the campus or something like that. I'm somewhat intimately familiar with the operations and the goings on on, on some college campuses. So, uh, you know, this guy is not out knocking out his competition. He's not out doing violent things. He's just a college kid. And yet the cops come in there with the SWAT team, just like they always do, as though the, as though the guy is lurking in the corners, ready to shoot at a bunch of cops that come through the door. That I mean, if you're concerned about the militarization of the police force, the drug war is another thing to look at because it's probably the number one factor in why we see relatively routine searches and seizures being done by the SWAT team now. They're not just used for hostage situations or trying to apprehend somebody who's extremely dangerous. They're just kind of used as a search team now, just for minor drug raids or sure. Any time they can bring them out, any time they get the opportunity to come and you know put their big black masks on and their uh, get their MP5s out and and run in and 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 get the concrete block thing that they can just ram through somebody's front door with. Man, that's exciting, and can't, that's why they do it. Can't dispute that it's exciting. Well, because. Anybody that takes just a moment, and I'm sure these cops have thought about this, haven't they? Anybody that takes just a moment and looks at the war on drugs can see the futility of it. I mean, we've talked to plenty of cops, even cops who believe in prohibition, that understand that it doesn't work. They understand that there's no success in this drug war. That if they take this kid out of his dorm room and put him in a jail cell for six months, it just means that his... The next door neighbor has a market opportunity to start selling the weed to the other kids in the dorm. So what does that, you know, where does that leave one morally? You know, as far as a police officer, if a police officer... Can arrest the whole campus. (laughs) That's not not a moral position. That's a practical position. You know, then that essentially leaves them with, I know that this uh, drug war is futile, um, you know, and and if you don't look at it any farther, then you're being intellectually dishonest. If you do look at it farther and say... Well, people do have the, I guess they have the right to consume what they want. I mean, marijuana, I guess, is it's pretty relatively harmless. Mm-hmm. And then they continue to arrest people. Then they're on really tenuous moral ground. I mean, that's, that's not a good place to be. Now, if, if they're getting active in the war on drugs and saying, you know, taking a stand out there, not um, the war on drugs, but the war against the war on drugs, um, you know, taking a stand publicly like uh, Bradley Jardis, uh, you know, who we interviewed at the, the Liberty Forum, mm-hmm. I don't have as much of a problem with that, you know, <laughs> so... I, I think police officers need to take uh, responsibility for their moral stance. They 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 pretend like they're the good guys. So be the good guys. Organizers say another major event is planned uh, at I guess uh, Friday at Grand Rapids. Anyway, national media has been absent. They say the Grand Rapids Press took a look at Cop's Facebook page and found that it had drug references, as though that had some bearing on whether he should have been shot or not. So it's okay to just you know pop some kid in the chest because he smoked pot. Is it? Is there really people? There are people out there that think that. 
that'll look at this kid and say, darn criminal, dirty bastard, he's just out there smoking weed, we ought to execute them all. There's a handful of people out there who do have that opinion, and I think largely even those people only have it because of the way the war on drugs has been propagandized for. They do see drug dealers or drug users as essentially some kind of disease on society. They found out that the student has expressed his advocacy and interest in reforming marijuana laws and that he had declared himself to be a left-wing hippie peacekeeping liberal. But wait, there's more. He'd advocated the passage of last fall's proposal to legalize marijuana in Michigan, or medical marijuana, rather. And he liked the movie Drugstore Cowboy as well as Martin Scorsese movies. Worst of all, he had quoted Grateful Dead lyrics. This strikes me as the drug war equivalent of asking what a rape victim was wearing cop reportedly wants to be a filmmaker and said he may produce work based on the shooting so luckily this young man is still alive you know luckily this bullet didn't go through his heart or something like it that went through, it went into his chest yeah i mean they almost killed this kid over weed and mm-hmm. apparently it was pr- profiled off his facebook page right I, you know what? I don't know. They, they, they don't really get it's a strange the, story because it sounds like there was only one cop there and that he was profiled off his Facebook page, which is all very odd. If one cop did a drug raid here, I've got a problem with that police officer. Uh, well, mm. they might just not be mentioning other officers. They might. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm, I'm only saying what I've heard. It's not made. It's not made clear. In the my, story. Not made clear. My guess is he, that he had some kind of a higher profile than your average kid who's just smoking pot. Okay. It sounds like he was a marijuana activist, and he was probably selected for a raid based on that. Okay. You think he was targeted politically? I I would think so. Yeah, there's a possibility. I mean, I, sure. I would think that doesn't happen in America. I would think something led the police <laughs> to that kid's Facebook account mm-hmm. and. Uh, it, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a stretch. I guess the judge must have issued a warrant here based on the evidence they had, but it seems like a bit of a stretch that they would stumble onto a random Facebook account of a college kid, then go to a judge to get a warrant based on some drug references. I agree with you. You know, unless they had some kind of other agenda. It's likely that he made himself known in the community and was targeted for it and it probably wasn't hard i mean if he's if he's an if he's an activist marijuana activist then he's probably out there doing things like protests and things like that organizing events it wouldn't be a hard thing for the cops to do to take one of their undercover officers and put him inside the whatever the marijuana advocacy group is basically get friendly with him and then have him sell him a, you know, an eighth. It it wouldn't be hard at all. I mean, this guy is probably really laid back. He's probably not that paranoid. He's probably, he's probably again a college kid. He's probably not really experienced at doing anything. So he's just probably letting people come into his dorm room and buy weed from him. Probably well, friends are bringing other friends in to buy weed. That's probably the maybe situation. Maybe they got a tip, but I, I, you know, I would think if they had hard evidence that he was a drug. One of the bonuses you'll get as a free talk live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. 1-800-259-9231. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Again, 
that's shrine.freetalklive.com. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, but you can't, for whatever reason, be involved? Well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. You can get signed up for a monthly uh, withdrawal from your PayPal account. You can also uh, do a one-time contribution or as an alternative, you can go to newegg.freetalklive.com and when you shop Newegg through that link, and I just uh, bought a whole bunch of computer parts the other day. When you shop Newegg, that's what they sell there, computer parts, through that link, <laughs> uh, a percentage of your purchase will go to cdevolution.org. So newegg.freetalklive.com benefits cdevolution.org and that benefits some of the great civil disobedience activists that we have up here in New Hampshire. So 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We continue your calls about whatever you want. It's Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, yeah, I just want to mention that uh, last night, while in fact, while I was waiting on the air to go, uh, waiting on the line to go, go on the air, there was a horrible drunk driving crash in Roseville, Michigan. Okay. Four teenagers were killed in a drunk driving crash. Oh, no. Yeah, don't you think they ought to start checking IDs more carefully, you know, or uh, start imposing tougher penalties on adults who provide alcohol to people under 21, stuff like that? No, I don't. I think that young people should be able to make choices for themselves. Yeah, uh, 19-year-old Devin Spurlock was behind the wheel, okay, and three other teenagers were in the vehicle. They were struck when a 47-year-old woman allegedly was driving drunk, 0.20% blood alcohol concentration, mm. driving Jeez. way too fast down by the Maycomb Mall in Roseville, Michigan, smashed into a, a utility pole, spun out, and then smashed into them. Oh, and all wow. four of them got killed. So this is what they're talking about when they're talking about teenagers getting killed in drunk driving crashes. They're Those not are part of the numbers. Yep. Oh, yeah, and it's very important to remember that even if the hate-mongering bigots at Mothers Against Drunk Driving are successful in eliminating underage drinking, which is what they they really are, they're like yeah, the Nazis right. hate Jewish people, Mothers Against Drunk Driving hates people under 21, even if they're successful. Tom, how many? The, what are the numbers? Uh, I mean, I know you're kind of a self-styled expert on this. What are the numbers, if you know, of these teenage-related drunk driving deaths or, or drinking or alcohol-related teenage uh, driving deaths, how many of them are actually teens who are drunk versus adults who are drunk? Um, more of them are teenagers drunk that I've come across when I, I do uh, searches on the Internet news st- site. Uh, but the fact is that those were uh, not the same people as the ones that are uh, getting busted for minor in possession. The ones that are getting busted for minor in possession didn't commit those DWI No, crimes. they didn't hurt anybody, and they didn't put anybody in jeopardy, ever. So, so the uh, point is that even if the Mothers Against Drunk Driving bigots are successful in elimin- preventing everybody under 21 from exercising their right to drink the beverage of their choice, you'll still get people uh, under 21 getting killed by drunk drivers, okay, because the drunk drivers 21 and older uh, go out and kill people under 21. So and they, they'll call they and they'll, eliminate. 
And they'll continue to call those underage uh, alcohol-related deaths. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So four of them were killed in Roseville, Michigan, uh, no, last night. It's a night sad story. I thank you, Tom, yep. as always. I appreciate hearing from you. And there's no, I mean, there's certainly never any end to the stupidity of some people drinking and then getting behind the wheel like that. And, and nobody is in favor of, uh, you know, somebody putting others in danger, I don't think. I don't right. think anybody's in favor of that. Drinking alcohol isn't putting them in danger. Drinking alcohol, getting behind the wheel, that's putting them in danger. Exactly. Young people should be able to make choices about their own lives. They do anyway. They make those choices. too much alcohol and getting behind the wheel is putting them in danger. I mean, they make those choices all the time about their own lives. It's just that some of them, some of those choices are prohibited. And if, if it's discovered that they've been making those choices, they'll be... They're, uh, you know, they'll get something put on their permanent record. Permanent they'll, record. Uh, they'll have their lives harmed far more so than the, uh, than the headache that they might get the next morning after drinking a little bit too much. So it'd be really nice if these young people would be left alone and just allowed to make their own mistakes. Because you, you're not going to convince young people that they shouldn't drink just by telling them. It's just not going to work. Well, it's not like these young people are any different than any young people have ever been ever. Right. I mean, young people have been drinking alcohol. It's only recently that we've put age restrictions on them. And it wasn't we. It was them. It was the government guys. We, we I had the, to do the with human it. beings, the hairless I monkeys see. that we are. Let's continue with your calls. Talk to Maureen, listening in Virginia. Maureen, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, um... I just stumbled upon you guys. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry, I've never listened to you before. I just didn't know you were there. But do you know anything about how Ed and Elaine Brown are doing? They're in federal prison, and I believe they've been charged with additional crimes at the federal level at this point. So I don't know what came out of that. I don't know if they've had their trial yet. I don't believe they have. They're likely never going to get out of prison uh, from what we're telling there. The only one who has a chance is Reno. Um, He was one of the the people that, that helped them. Reno was one of the other people. So they're, they're saying there is no chance of them getting out of prison. No, that's what Mark just said. Pretty, uh, really not likely. There are more charges coming, and, and they've, if got, enough, found they've guilty, got enough time now that, uh, that it's pretty much their, you know, the, the remainder of their life, and they've got more charges pending, and it's not looking good. If there's anybody out there listening that would know how I can get in touch with one of their children, I've got some ideas that I think would, I mean, totally legal, totally, you know, but there are ways that they can get out. There really are. Hmm. What, what would you suggest? That. You know what? I could talk to you about it off the air, but not well, on Well, this the is air. an on-air radio show, so if you don't have anything to, to uh, um, contribute, that's fine. Basically, it, ha- it has to do with UCC filings, and you take over the fact that you are not a corporation. They have no right to tax you or to imprison you. Well, I think Reno tried that uh, at his trial, and it didn't really get him anywhere. At the he very tried least to talk the sentencing, about, right? He tried to talk about how uh, you know he's uh, he doesn't consent to this, and he's he's not the corporate Reno, and all of the stuff you're talking about. And they just basically uh, you know just said they had no idea what he was talking about, and they put him in a jail cell. So, I mean, I hope that you're right. I hope that somebody can file the right paperwork and just get them turned out. Uh, but if that were true, then why aren't people getting turned out all over the country? I mean, the, the federal government has. A lot of people sitting in prison cells that have never harmed anybody one out of else. Every thirty-five. I mean, if you're on. I know of one man who, by filing paperwork, his judge was the most evil. I can't, there's not even a word bad enough for the judge. The judge was the one that put some of the women in Waco into prison. That's how bad this judge was. Mm. So what happened? And, Somebody filed some paperwork, and what happened? And got out. Wow. And what uh, what evidence do you have for, uh, for your claims? I know the man that did it. 
you personally know what happened? You have access to the paperwork that he I'd filed? I'd love to hear about it. I mean, really, I, I want to, you know, I want to know about this so that I can right. talk to a lot of people about it. Yep. What? Uh, what? Do you have access to this man and the paperwork that he filed? I have access to him, and I do have access to the paperwork he filed. He's kind of afraid to go public. Basically, what he did was he filled out, filled out the UCC stuff. I think he already had done that before he was put in prison. He was put in prison for giving a man a controlled substance. This guy was somebody that knew how to heal sick people. Mm-hmm. And his, his first name was Jerry. I'll, I can give you that part. Jerry did so, not know that this thing, this product, this natural thing was made into a drug. So he was basically arrested, and he was sentenced. He spent quite a few years in prison before he found out that he could do this. And he filed the papers himself from within prison and got himself I released? Do not, I do not know. I would have to tell talk you what, to him about that. Why don't that. you talk to him and have him call in, and hopefully we can talk to him about uh, his, his experiences, because usually when we talk to people making claims like this, they have third-hand knowledge of it. They know somebody who knows somebody. But you claim you actually know the guy. So get him, get him to call this show and tell us all about it, and we'd love to explain this to our listeners, because there are a lot of people that would like to help their loved ones get out of jail. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Will we ever hear from him? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free if you want to bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231, or you can comment on what we've been talking about, one 800 259-9231, that number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you like the fact that we give away all the features on the website to you free, then you can register your appreciation by uh, by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Head over to amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need to buy, they probably sell it. They've got dozens of categories in which you can shop, plus even used items over at amazon.freetalklive.com. So where else shall we talk about tonight? Oh, we have the former police chief that wants to uh, to out police brutality it wants to point out that law enforcement actually makes the bad apples because a lot of times we'll talk about the corrupt cops and there's so many stories there's no shortage of these stories we'll talk about these corrupt cop stories and inevitably if we're on like the saturday night show and we have so many affiliates on board that a bunch of uh, regular folk are listening uh then the, the there will usually be a cop who will call in to say well it's just a few bad apples and we've heard that claim made a whole bunch of times and the people that know a little bit more and the people that are a little bit more honest will tell you there are more than a few bad apples. In fact, I almost feel like in many cases, not, I don't know if this applies to all police departments, but in many cases, the bad apples are running the ship. And that there are bad apples all over the place. So now Norm Stamper, and I guess we'll try to sneak this in here. Take your calls as well if you make them. From Alternate.org, Norm Stamper, you might recognize the name. He's a law enforcement against prohibition founder. So that's where this is coming from. Says, disclosure, during my rookie days back in the 60s as a San Diego police officer, I used excessive force more than once. I remember most of the incidents, though I'm sure I've conveniently forgotten some. I'm ashamed. I wish to hell I hadn't done it, but I did, and visceral memories of these incidents help shape an answer to the question of why certain cops engage in brutal behavior and others don't. 
As police brutality cases go, it may not be one of the uh, one for the annals. In late February, King County, Washington, Sheriff's Deputy Paul Sheen deposited a slender 15-year-old girl into a holding cell and ordered her to remove her shoes. You guys might remember seeing this video. Nick, did you see the video of the beating up this I, girl? I saw the video, and we actually did report on it on our TV show, on yep. Free Minds TV. And we talked about it, I think, a few weeks ago here on Free Talk Live. It was just an absolute brutal beating on the part of this police officer against a relatively defenseless uh, 15-year-old girl. Anyway, what happened was uh, they ordered her to remove her shoes. The teen used her right toe to loosen the heel of her left sneaker, which she then cast off. The rubber-soled shoe apparently striking Officer Sheen in the shin. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, in full disclosure, the little girl was being petulant. Um, She's and, a bratty little teenage girl. Right. Yeah. And then he pounded her in the face. He, like, threw her across the room and pounded right. her in the face. And then threw her to the ground, continued pounding on her, and then when they'd handcuffed her, he lifted her up by her hair. So really nice guy. Anyway, she began the... Well, he came unglued, and to me, that, that means that you shouldn't be doing that job. And yeah, I mean, this uh, the, the rate at which the shoe was flipped from the ground into right. his shin was not anything that could have hurt this guy. No way. And nor, nor would it have uh, engendered the response, even if it did hurt him, even if he went, ow, nor it should not have engendered the response of what he did. So as she began the mirror process with the other shoes, Sheen stormed the holding cell, kicked the girl in the groin, chased her across the cell, grabbed her by the hair, flung her to the concrete floor, burrowed his knees into her back, slugged her twice in what appears to be the head, and handcuffed her, all of this on camera. He then yanked her by her hair to her feet and escorted her out the door and out of our view. The girl, who had offered no resistance, reported trouble breathing. Paramedics were called. Sheen's report declared the teenager had suffered a panic attack. <laughs> she probably panicked as she was, he was beating her in the head. Pretty bad, but does it stand up to the LAPD Rodney King beating or the NYPD torture of Ab- uh, Abner Luima or the countless other videotaped police attacks we've seen in recent years? The answer is yes. The Sheen attack didn't last nearly as long as the King beating. It wasn't as sadistic as the broom-handled sodomizing case of Luima in Brooklyn's 70th Precinct, but it's just as painful to watch a 6'2", 195-pound man pummeling a frightened child. Who cares whether the girl was lippy or that she may have referred to the officers as fat pigs? Any excessive police force violates agency policy, not to mention state and or federal laws. Not only does such official violence inflict pain, you often... Know, you've got to have the right attitude to be a police officer. If you've got this huge chip on your shoulder and some little 15-year-old girl who's, you know, b- being bratty is, uh, you know, can set you off like that, you don't need to be a police officer. First off, you need some anger management course. Um, to, to you know, make your life a little better. But you know, I just can't imagine the cops that I know that I believe to be good police officers coming unglued like that. I, I can imagine them, uh, you know, smiling and you know, perhaps uh, being a little passive aggressive in, in the way they would deal with it. But you know, not beating somebody. Do you, do you remember the police instructor that we met at the Liberty Forum this year? Yeah, I'd like he, he's the you know he walked with the gate. When when you read some books, some fiction books, they'll talk about uh, guys that walk with the gate. Like they look like they could just snap your neck. He looked like that. Oh, he was definitely a badass dude. Oh, definitely, he totally, definitely. Was, totally fit the role of uh, <laughs> like police the instructor. Wrangler jeans and the the cowboy. God, he looked like Chuck Norris to me. Well, anyway, this guy, uh, beard. he's become really disillusioned with the whole police system, with the quality of the recruits that he's seen, because he's been teaching year after year the new recruits that are coming in. And he said, 
and I'm not, not going to reveal who he is or anything like that, yeah. but he said that 10% maximum, 10% maximum of the recruits that they hire have courage. He and said he said a getting, lot of other things, He said they're too. getting worse. Uh, like, there's, there was little to uh, little good that he said about the new recruits coming yeah. in. He, he, he feels, now, this is a guy who, who teaches hand-to-hand combat to these guys, and he says they're way too militarized. Well, and he said the COs are worse. He said he tried to teach a, a group of COs mm. one time, and that was the last time he would ever do it. Yeah. Because they're even worse than the cops. And, and, and as he points out, they, the, the, just the quality just keeps declining. So, inevitably, if they're having that much trouble filling these roles with people, they have to take the bottom of the barrel. Well, they need so many police officers now because of the drug war. I mean, yeah. most people that get arrested, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's most people that get arrested. They're, they're arresting a lot of nonviolent offenders, and a lot of the violent offenders out there wouldn't be violent offenders if it wasn't for the drug war. We wouldn't need as large of a police, police force, and therefore we could take the top 50%, and I think we'd be a lot better off. I bet you're right about that. Not only does such official violence inflict pain, says Stamper, often causing lasting physical and emotional injury, it greatly undermines public confidence in the police as evidenced by reader reactions to the original post people are outraged by this stuff and rightfully so because it's not hard to imagine this happening to you it's not hard to imagine this happening to your son or your daughter or a close friend or another family member everybody knows a petulant teenager because this stuff happens so often it's beginning to strike people closer to home i think people are starting to figure out that it's just random chance whether it happens to them or not. Cops are allowed, says Stamper, in the language of Sheen's own agency, to use physical or lethal force only as, and this is their own rule, only as necessary to effect an arrest, to defend themselves or others from violence, or to accomplish other police duties according to the law. Now, apart from the question of why in the world they do it with today's omnipresent cameras rolling, why do certain cops resort using excessive force. Sheen claims he was assaulted. The girl maintains she was not even aiming for the deputy when she flipped off the shoe. He claims the sneaker caused him bruising, bleeding, and pain, as well as a blood-filled pocket. Though it's hard to imagine that statement even passing as truth, Sheen's injury appears to have been caused by his self-propelled collision with the cell's shin-high stainless steel commode caught clearly on the tape. Mm. So as he's running in his mad dash to beat this girl and just in this mindless zombified attack, this fit Mm. of rage, he runs into the toilet. That's where... His injury. And I'll tell you, those silver bullets do not move. Those things are stainless steel, (laughs) and they are attached very, very well because they don't want convicts pulling them out and throwing them through things. The deputy will no doubt assert he used only the amount of force necessary to overcome the girl's physical aggression. And it doesn't take a trained observer to say he's wrong. were crossed. Yeah. When he attacked her, she had she didn't even have a chance to pull them out. She was no. so stunned that this jerk was coming after her. Her arms were still crossed. Right, she was acting. It's just he imagine her, when he hit her, he threw her across this room. Yeah, imagine a bratty little fifteen-year-old girl standing with her arms crossed and being a little punk. And that's what you've got. She flips her shoe off her off of her foot. It it, it hits the guy in the shin, and he lets loose on her. I'd never seen anything. I mean, I've seen some police brutality videos. This is one of the most just absolutely atrocious ones, I think. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
So Stamper has a few suggestions as to how to prevent things like this from happening in the future. We'll share some of those with you. You're welcome to comment as well. Have uh, have the police come close to your home, come close to your life, your personal life, and and uh, entered it with violence? Have they harmed somebody that you love? Do you want to tell the story? 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching an hour number two of the program. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, free. So enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. We're going to get right to your calls here in a moment. Just want to finish up a few thoughts from Norm Stamper. You might know him from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. You can learn more about that group at leap.cc. I'm a, a bit of a fan. I ran into one of the Leap members on the street in Keene today, actually. Yeah. Cause Keene, I wish I'd get a chance to talk to him, but I was talking business. You're yapping away on your cell phone. Uh, but, but yeah, we went out to lunch in downtown Keene today, Mark, and it's Keene's like that. It's a small, very, very, very small city or big town, however you want to categorize it, but it's technically, municipality-wise, it's a city. And, and I've looked up, uh, you know, on a you know national scale as to what a city, what what defines a city and what defines the a town. smallest city. Yeah, it's, it, what the definition is is what they decided to call it one day. Got it. Well, anyway, it's a small place, so with twenty five thousand people living in the area, inevitably you're or in the city limits, you're inevitably going to see people you know, and you're going to see people that uh, you know frequently. So uh, Rick Van Wickler, who's the superintendent of the Cheshire County correctional institution was walking down the street on Main Street and I don't know if Rick really knows me too well but I've, I've introduced myself to him once in the past when we were at one of those marijuana hearings at the State House and I used the opportunity to introduce myself again, gave my card and I said hey if there's anything I can do to help you out, I don't know what it would be but if there's anything I can do to help you don't, you know, don't hesitate to get in touch with me And we talked about getting him on the radio locally and so Leap, good guys, they're doing the right thing uh, law next enforcement you, against prohibition next time you see him, uh, make sure that you, know, you get some contact information. I need to. I need to talk to him. I want to uh... call the jail. He's there every day. Okay, mostly. All right. So back to what Norm Stamper, who's one of the founders of Leap, has to say about the bad apples. We've seen so many stories of police brutality, and Stamper uh, tells the story of the one of the most recent, most brutal cases with a, a teenage girl, 15 years old, just brutally attacked in a jail cell in uh, I don't even know where it was, but. A King County, Washington. There's so, there's so many. Yeah, I was going to say it was yeah. uh, Seattle, but um, there are so many instances like this, and there are so many that don't get reported, and so many that don't get videotaped. So what you see when you see these videos of the police abuse and the brutality, you're seeing a percentage of the actual amount of brutality that's going on. The amount that you never will hear about because it's done under the cover of darkness, on the side of the road, or behind an alley, or wherever it is, it's done. And clearly, some, this guy felt com- comfortable enough to attack this girl in a cell with a camera. To and on him. I, you know, my question is, how did this video ever get out? That's I what I want to know. Somebody must not have liked him at the jail or something like that. I don't know. Or somebody, you know, thought it was funny or whatever to see the little girl get uh, get the crap kicked out. That's of her a possibility and, too. Uh, you know, showed it to a friend who showed it to a friend, and bam, it's gone. So after telling us that story, after bringing us up to speed on that, Stamper says, "How do we prevent this kind of behavior in the future?" He says, "Please don't say through number one more thorough screening of law enforcement candidates or two better training. They're both important, of course, critical in fact. But law enforcement, for the most part, yeah, the departments that do this are definitely better." 
that do the departments you know, that do that, you know good screening and yeah. uh, make sure they get the cream of the crop coming out of the police academy and you know require degrees and things like that. They definitely get better a better sure. you know class of police officer, no doubt. But but Stamper points out that law enforcement for the most part doesn't pick bad apples; it makes them, and not through academy training. Forty three years ago, I was an idealistic, vaguely liberal twenty one year old when the San Diego Police Department hired me. The last thing on my mind was taking to the streets to punish people. Most cops get into it because they want to help people, right? They want to help save them from the bad guys. Well, lest there be any doubt about the department's policy, the police academy even then drove it home. Excessive force was grounds for termination. So why then did I abuse the very people that I'd been hired to serve? Now, not to get too psychological, I did it because the power of my position went straight to my head. Because other cops I'd come to admire did it. And because I thought I could get away with it. Which I did. Until a principled prosecutor slapped me upside the head and demanded to know whether the U.S. Constitution actually meant anything to me. It comes down to this. Real cops, those with a conscience, those who honor the law, must step up and take control of the cop culture. He doesn't get any much more detailed than that, but he just kind of suggests that there is this cop culture and... We can read into this based on what we know from police that we've talked to and the retired police that we've talked to and, and people that know these things who are, who are close to the police about what cop culture is. Now, if there are any law enforcement officers out there listening live tonight, feel free to call in and give us your definition of what Norm Stamper means when he says cop culture. Because he's saying that the good cops basically need to step up and take control of it, suggesting that cop culture is dominated by the this brutality mentality, that it's dominated by the people who just think they can get away with anything and in most cases absolutely can't. Well, you know, what my experience was, and this would be relatively – I haven't dealt with nearly as many police officers as I've dealt with correctional CEOs. officers. I was uh, the, the staff canteen operator for years and years, uh, six, uh, maybe five years, something like that at Brevard Correctional Institution. And so I saw these guys and talked to these guys on a regular basis. Now, maybe with convicts, this is a little more, a um, little easier, but I suspect it's done with perps, too. Now, note that, uh, you know, they, they, they'd use the term inmate. They wouldn't use convict. I like to use the term convict. Okay. Um, so you know, you'll note that they have a different term. They don't say people. They say perps. They don't say people. They say inmate. Yeah. And suspect. They... They dehumanize that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's okay to do whatever they want because those are the bad people. Inmate is code for bad person. Yeah. Perp is code for bad person. Is all you have to do is call somebody a perp. They're a perpetrator. It's, I mean, it's a, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, it's already a mislabeling. So, right. That, that, you, you don't know whether they've perpetrated anything, sir. You're there to take them into custody. That's all. There's no doubt about it. You don't so. convict people. So, I mean, did you get any observations as to uh, what the cop culture was like or the, the CO culture? Well, it's, it's dehumanizing to uh, the, the people that they're on the other team um, with. I mean, it's obvious, you know, that there was a brown team and there was a blue team, and the the brown team was out there against the blue team, and, and as far as they were concerned, the blue team was out to get them, too. Largely, the blue team was out fighting amongst itself, but... Um, Are you talking about the cops and the sheriffs? The blue brown team would be blue? the convicts in prison. Oh, I see. The brown team was the uh, CEOs. Gotcha. Um, sorry, the convicts wear blue, too. So, uh, you know, I, as far as the cop culture, all I can say is that uh, they just dehumanized people. That's all. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Nick, any, uh, do you, have you known any cops in your life? Um, when they've pulled me over? 
<laughs> so no, not as a as a friend or family member or anything like that. Um, had any real look into the inside workings of how their culture is? No, I really haven't. What we know from what we've talked to uh, to these police officers about is that there's a thin blue line, this mentality yeah. that, you know, the thin blue line, it's them versus us, as you pointed out, Mark, and it's that the, yeah, it's they, right, they will do what it takes to protect their buddies. Even if their They're, buddies are doing some of the most atrocious, awful things, they'll stand and they'll, they will protect them. Right. Let me give you an example of that. And this is, you know, this is just a little offhand example of something I recall, and it flashed into my memory a couple of days ago, so it's, it's fresh in my mind, is... Um, um, you know, there was a an officer that I sort of liked. Um, I thought he was funny. You know, mm-hmm. he'd say some funny things now and then. Um, he wasn't a friend or anything like that. Sure. But, um, and he was replaced on day shift by an officer who I'm whom I didn't really like very much. And um, the officer that uh, was replaced, uh, let's call him uh, Dave. Okay. And uh, the the guy that replaced him, so that was Jesse. And I know that was, in fact, his name. <laughs> so um, I, I said to Dave, well, we just got to get Jesse off a day shift and get you back. Mm-hmm. I said, Jesse, right, as referring to the officer. I should have said Officer, officer Smith. Officer so-and-so. Um, but he said... They get upset of that, th- and, of that and thing? And Dave said, I ought to put you in jail for saying that about another officer. Oh, and by jail, he, jail, he means uh, confinement, you know. Yeah. And he very well could have done that. I thought wow. I was, you know, butt-kissing, essentially. And I really did prefer having him on day shift because he was, you know, working my dormitory and that kind of That's thing. That's crazy. But that just goes to show that this officer who didn't particularly like that other officer um, and who um, whom was replaced by that officer on day shift. So even when, though he didn't like him, he was willing to back him up. Right, he backed him up in that manner. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not saying that nobody got their teeth kicked in here, and there's stories like that, too. But No, but what we've seen, though, is the cops will back one another up, and it's and even if they know that uh, there's another cop in the in the ranks that's just bad to the bone, they won't do anything about it. Because they don't want to be seen as the cop that's rocking the boat of the cop culture, as a cop that's, that's uh, trying to throw the other cops under the bus. They don't want to be seen that way. It's a team, and you've got to play you know, as a team, man, uh, team member. So if the team members that you're around are doing corrupt, awful things, whether it's stealing people's property, drugs, uh, whether, it's, you know, whether it's beating inmates or beating suspects, you keep your mouth shut as a cop or else. Stamper's saying that should change. He's saying that the real cops should step up and take control of the cop culture. But will they? It's Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian, here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us, including updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on that list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, just sent out an update recently announcing we're doing another banner auction. The second banner recently went for like fifty bucks. So, cheap, yeah. Cheap. Oh well, the the one uh, the second banner the last time we sold it was one hundred fifty. So you never know where that's going to end up. Supply and demand. Yep, and so the supply is still out there because we're putting the fourth banner up right now, and so who knows? Maybe we'll get that one for thirty bucks. Uh, you can't predict these things. So it's this, still above the fold. 
It is, definitely. So head over to auction.freetalklive.com, place your bid. It's funny how the uh, above-the-fold, uh, it, it's a newspaper term that gets used on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it means that if you pull up the page, that the banner will be there when, right when the page gets pulled up. You don't have to scroll down to see the banner at all. or any, you know, So it's, it's right up there at the top of the content. Most likely. There may be some browsers, uh, some right, uh, there's small laptops you wouldn't be able to There's some little see. ones. Out there. So you can get the fourth banner on the website and you can win it in the auction at auction.freetalklive.com. And if you want to know about these things as they happen, just be, uh, get on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls and also want to tell you that uh, you need to go to freetalklive.com since we're talking about the banner ads there and find our adult friend finder banner. It's the world's largest adult social network and sex personals. Over 19 million members. You can let them help you find that sexy someone to hook up with tonight. The banner, you can see it at freetalklive.com. That's freetalklive.com. All right, we continue here. Mike is in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's on your mind, Mike? Well, I, I got a, a disagreement with you guys over the uh, whole concept of the Free State Project. A disagreement uh, with the concept? Okay, go ahead. Great. Well, the, the whole thing is is that libertarians are spread all over the country, and I think it's unrealistic for you guys to expect that you're going to get uh, all of them to uh, you know, move to New Hampshire. I'm sitting here in Wisconsin. i got to set up here. I mean, I, it take a lot for me to pick up everything I got sure, and move. Sure, yeah. took a lot for us to pick up everything and move. I sold two houses. Um, t- I had uh, two cars that I sold and two that I took. Uh, I, I sold... Uh, you know, just all kinds. I of I sold stuff. the house. Yeah, we we p- packed up a rider van, um, you know, and and came. I, mean, I had a wife. You're still so, trying to sell your house. Uh, you know, our business was you know not that it's easy. Not not that our business was huge or anything. There certainly are bigger businesses with a lot more capital and stuff that needs to be moved. But we picked up our business and moved. Mike, I think you might have gotten the wrong idea. Uh, the Free State Project isn't intending to move all the all libertarians. libertarians no. We're intending to move those Just libertarians who, who, are, right, who are dedicated enough to, to make the change and to do it. So if you are feeling comfortable where you're at, that's what you should do. You should stay right there. Well, what do you, what do you suggest? I mean, uh, you know, what, if you're taking all the resources to New Hampshire, what about uh, oh. us and these Sour milk, huh, Mike? Well, Mike, um, how are the res- how have the resources been doing so far? Take the last what let's call it 1971 that the uh, Libertarian Party came into play. Let's call that the beginning of libertarianism, um, or you can decide 1776 as uh, when the the libertarians won the war, or whatever <laughs> you want. You you pick the time frame. How have the libertarians been doing spread out um, all over the place in spreading liberty? Well, I you know, I don't know. You can not too good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue really. Yeah, I mean, I, they haven't been. That's my opinion. I, I would concur with you on that. So, to me, that says that doing the same thing over and over again and getting and expecting it to get a different result is insanity. So, I'll, I'm willing to try something new. Do you guys think there's hope for people that are willing? You know, are willing to just stay in their little, you know, in their own state, in their own area? What kind of, what kind of hope do you think there is? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, you with the Ron Paul meetup groups and that, you got uh, factions of people joining together in their area. Great. Uh, I think they, the Ron Paul meetup groups are pr- a pretty good thing. I mean, there's certainly in the right you've got some people that have been activated for something, um, you know, and and I, th- I think you might get a little momentum there. But I don't know what that momentum is going to achieve. Um, here in the Free State Project, we've we've got 675 movers or something like that, and we've achieved not accurate. There are a few hundred movers, and there are 600 plus people that are actually Free Staters in state. So you started with a couple hundred already here from the original. They're boat. calling them movers, but okay. Um, I don't think they are. Fine. But go ahead, members. 
in state. Yes. Um, plus, there's there's probably at least I would figure you double that number because libertarians don't like to sign lists that tell the government where they are. That much but, is probably true. Um, so let's let's say there's a thousand in state. We've had some luck in forestalling some legislation. Okay, with a thousand, with a thousand people moved in a state of one point three million. In, in a state of one point three million, so I gotta really wonder. Uh, I, would Would you agree that concentration is like the key to getting things done? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I think that you you could also you need to spread the message to as many people as possible. And I, to, you I agree, know. but no that's, sort of, that. that's sort of concentrating by uh, diffusion. I think that's uh, discipleship, as it were. I think Mike essentially admitted that he believes concentration is important when he bemoaned the fact that uh, the Free State Project is siphoning off activists from the area. <laughs> well, what I would say is you can still spread a message to uh, you know people in the other 49 states and in other countries um, from New Hampshire to a large extent. I mean, you can still blog, you can create videos, and you can actually get you know you can kill bad legislation and get repeals of laws passed. You can ex- essentially set an example of what a functional libertarian movement looks like, which has never happened before. I mean, it, not really. I you, mean, there's no ex- example that you can point to. It's it's really all been an intellectual debate essentially up until this point. Is is the libertarians or the liberty-minded people saying, well, we're telling you that the free market is better, and we can point to these examples where the market does things better, but none none of it's ever been done all at the same time in in every aspect. And so let's just imagine that ten years down the line, we've got a relatively liberty-oriented state and who knows, maybe it'll even have seceded out from the Union, and we can really show people, like, look, liberty works. Then it's not anything pie in the sky. It's not theoretical anymore. Wouldn't you rather be communicating that to the other 49 states and the rest of the world rather than just, you know, getting a candidate into a debate and having them get 3%? Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, you mentioned secession, though, Ian, but are you willing to, you know, take the you know rifle up and, and, and fight for secession? That's not the kind hand? of secession movement I'm looking for. Personally, I'm. I think we can Hopefully, achieve liberty with yeah. with peaceful means. Hopefully, Mike, we won't have to do that. And let's let's talk about the. I, I think you're referring to uh, the South seceding from the North mm-hmm. and in the uh, the War of Northern Aggression. And uh, you know, it's the, a, it's the, the same problem, fear everyone brings up. It is absolutely the problem. There was wasn't so much the secession. The problem was the firing on Fort Sumter. And if they hadn't have fired on the federal fort, now I'll agree that that federal fort was someplace that they weren't, shouldn't have been, and they wouldn't leave. However, if you would have just sort of ignored them out there in the water there in uh, Charleston Bay or wherever that was, they probably would have gone away at some point. Could or have, or they might have figured out, you know, created some, uh, you know, uh, yeah, false flag the, operation the, the or something. The South essentially jumped the gun and decided to kick off a war. They, they, we they wanted fight. to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, we wanted to fight for this, and they got the fight. They and just weren't ready for it. That's not what we want. None of us here want that fight. We want to achieve liberty through peaceful means. And I think the most uh, every other free stater I've ever met, with the exception of one or two wild-eyed guys, uh, is is pretty much that way. So I wouldn't expect to have to be raising any sort of rifles. Well, what? All right. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
We'll bring it back. Hang on, dude. 800-259-9231. He's got a lot of objections, and we will answer as many as we possibly can because, well, we're evangelists like that. 800-259-9231. For liberty, that is. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. Maybe you'd like to address what it is that Mike is saying here. A lot of common uh, objections to somebody that has been involved in the liberty movement but might be new to the idea of concentrating activism via the Free State Project. And you can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And those features including the wiki. That's over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. You can edit virtually anything you see. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. Uh, SACL CAI is the uh, number one sponsor of the show. The principal over there, Jason Osborne, is a huge advocate for liberty. He's supporting this show because he wants people to hear about liberty. If you can, if you have a business, uh, you know you know somebody who has a business, send some business his way as a thank you for his huge support of uh, Free Talk Live. I don't know whether Free Talk Free Talk Live wouldn't be in the form that it is today. No way. If it wasn't for Sakel CA, if it wasn't for Jason Osborne and his his stand, Sakel CA, I can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the page on the uh, right hand side. Jason, I should add, is a Free State Project member, as I understand, or participant. So we, that's what we're talking about right now with our caller, Mike, who is back with us, Mike in Wisconsin. Uh, Mike, you're calling in with some concerns that a lot of people have had, and I think I would have had as well if I were in your position, about this idea of moving as many liberty activists as possible to the same place. I would say that if I, who was very, fairly active uh, back in the Sarasota, Florida Libertarian Party, If I had decided that I couldn't, for whatever reason, go to New Hampshire, that I needed to stay in Florida for whatever, I won't even speculate as to what the reason would be that I would have wanted to stay. Uh, But if I had decided, if I had (laughs) decided, there's plenty of sunshine here in New Hampshire. I'm just saying, that's the biggest complaint about moving to New Hampshire is it's cold. That's different from sunshine. But anyway, uh, so so if I had stayed, I probably would have felt the same way. I probably would have felt like, man, this sucks. All my great activists are leaving to New Hampshire. What a bummer. And I felt like that's kind of what you were uh, – one of the things you were getting at earlier. Would you say that's accurate? Well, what I'm trying to say is, that, you know, um, I think there's a lot of national uh, organizations and movements you can get involved in to be – further libertarianism other than the Free State Project, like you got the Campaign for Liberty. Yep. You know, and these other things. Um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like the campaign for liberty is a Johnny Come Lately who's doing a, a poor job of uh, of what the rest of them are trying to do. Like they're trying to to catch up in a lot of ways. I I'm yeah I I like the people that are involved. I don't know those that I'm impressed with anything they've accomplished besides they put a convention on. I, I would note that you can't. I mean, you can still be involved on the with the federal issues or with the campaign for liberty or and the, with the Libertarian Party. I mean, yep. you can help the presidential campaign, campaign for liberty is huge in this state. Yeah, I mean, you can get New Hampshire is a great place to get involved with the presidential campaign at least during the primary process. Sure. Uh, so you know, not everybody is a hundred percent focused on the state level. I'd say that's where most of the activists are focused because that's where. They believe they can make the biggest impact, but you, I mean, you're still free to focus on national issues if you're more comfortable doing. Yeah, it. there's nobody that's uh, that is overriding what you get to do. The Free State Project is a very simple concept. It just encourages liberty lovers to move to New Hampshire, and then they decide what to do for themselves. There's no central organization. No one is handing out diktats or orders saying, "Okay, Mike, now that you're here, here's what we need you to do." No, you just get here and you decide for yourself what the best way to get active is. 
Are you there? Yeah, I just I just hope you guys don't forget about us people in the in the country that are are going to move to New Hampshire, but are, you know we're still going to try to fight for liberty. Well, I, I, I guess I find, I, I, yeah, you know what? I am um, personally. You I forget about them. I am. I, I really, I just don't care. Um, it, to me, I don't know. I care a little bit. I to like me, the idea. Here, you, to me, it, the the Free State Project makes the most sense. I've looked at it, and you agree that what's going on now hasn't worked up to this point, Mike. So, if you care about liberty, you'll move uh, enough. You'll move for the Free State Project. I'll grant you that wives are important, houses are important, and jobs are important. I understand that, well, but what that says to me is you care more about your wife, well, your job, or your house. So concentrate on those things well, and forget about liberty. Mark, there there is also the the point that some people just have doubts about whether it's a good idea in terms of advancing liberty. I can't, you, to, I, yes, to, you can't I've got the cognitive dissonance going on. Absolutely. <laughs> I am thoroughly convinced. I am a zealot, people. Do not call me up and expect me to um, to, to have some kind of reasonable opinion about whether or not the Free State Project's going to work. I picked my life up and moved. Personally, what I would like to see um, is not a zero-sum game where the Free State Project just snaps up the best act- libertarian activists from around the country, and we get 20,000, and you know we, we make a difference here in New Hampshire, and that's it. Well, I, I'm hoping that the synergy that you get when you have this many libertarian activists in a relatively small state will inspire more people to you know look at the ideas of liberty, become active, and you know some of them might move to New Hampshire, a lot of them won't. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who you know they they're not going to be living in New Hampshire. It's not in the cards for them in the future. I hope that the Free State Project serves as motivation for them and as an example for them to get active other places because. You know, I don't want to live in a world where New Hampshire is the you know the one place that's safe for liberty. And I would love to see liberty. Not. I agree. I would love to see liberty spread out from New Hampshire and have it have New Hampshire again be the the example for the rest of the world, the shining beacon on the hill, if you will, uh, that America once was. We can make New Hampshire that, and we can if you, then you guys that are out in the rest of the country can utilize New Hampshire as your uh, your go to, uh, something you can point to and say, look, this works. Let's try this here in Wisconsin. It's going to mean you're going to have to wait for. A a long time, and there will be a bit of a brain drain, I think, initially, but eventually the success of the Free State Project, as you're pointing out, Nick, will help create new liberty-minded people all around the country. Does that make sense, Mike? Well, what I'm trying to, what I would, what I would say to that is, how does all, you know, religion spread? They have missionaries that they send out around the world or whatever to spread their message. How is liberty going to spread if we all concentrate ourselves in one little location you know, and I think that's more. Do you of a understand culture. how the the power of the me? Do you understand power of the media? Like listening to radio can motivate people and inspire people, and watching television, and we can create our own media here in New Hampshire, and we can spread that around the world, and people can we see, and we are doing and creating our own media. We can spread that around the world, and people can see why liberty works and why it's beneficial to their lives, and why they should consider these ideas where they live. They don't have to come. They don't have to come to New Hampshire, though. That would be the easy way to achieve more freedom for themselves. They can sit it out right where they are, and they can fight it out with the status where they are, and we'll do our best to you know, give, them, give them something to look toward. Yeah. I, I would argue that there's, there are a lot more than 20,000 libertarians in the United States even. Now, it might sure. not feel like that, but if you're, if you're, and if you're losing, using the term broadly, you know, somebody who would like to see dramatically smaller government, they, they're, they're not a fan of government. They think it's maybe a necessary evil or something like that. There's a lot of those people out there, and... They're still going to be out there if the Free State Project hits 20,000. You're still going to have the bulk of the libertarian activists who are in the other 49 states 
are still going to be there. But the problem is right now. I don't now, know about the activists. I right. don't know that I'd call that's them it. that. That's well, just they're it. libertarians and they don't do anything. That's, that's the problem. I was. Right. Because uh, all I, you know, I believed in the concepts of liberty, at least, uh, you know, somewhat, you know, broadly. And I did nothing. I nothing. If, if Ian asked me to come out, I might show. I might not. I'll stand there with him and give him a little moral support at whatever he's doing. And that would be the sum total of what I would do. Now uh, that I'm here, I'm active. So I say the Free State Project creates activists Absolutely. where there were none. Absolutely. Any other thoughts, Mike, after absorbing all that? I guess my final thoughts is that, you know, I support what you guys are doing. I, I, oh, great. I, hope, I hope you guys support what we're trying to do outside of New Hampshire as well. I, you know, I support you. I don't think it's doing very much or working, but, uh, you know, best of luck, dude. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I mean, what they're yeah. doing outside of the state of New Hampshire and what's going on in New Hampshire, for the most part, is politics, right? That's mostly what libertarians do is they, they run a candidate every couple or four years and the candidate gets 3%. If it's in a two, two-way election, they might make like 25%. And they run a candidate, and the candidate gets out, and he gets in, you know, he goes to a few speaking engagements and talks to about, oh, I don't know, 35 old people that showed up to, to watch. They are going to watch the candidate speak tonight, Gerald. And uh, so, you know, they talk to a few old folks, and none of them vote for the Libertarian. And so, okay. right, the people that go to these debates are pretty firm in their opinions anyway. So I don't know that go, you know, I don't know what they do personally. They try to reach out to other people and bring them in, and they never come to the meetings, and then nothing ever happens. And somebody who favors the political approach a bit more. I think that you, concentrating people probably makes more sense from absolutely if you're looking at doing political activism. That's the idea. That's <laughs> why it's happening here. Yeah. That's why they're they're having some success. You That's mentioned why some they of have the success. How many, how many state house representatives do you have that are you know libertarians in your state? We've got right. six for sure, and uh, I think it was ninety that the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance endorsed. They're oriented toward freedom, not necessarily principled, but there are definitely four at, at the very them. least. There are the very least. Or actual they got free California. staters. There are actual free staters that are elected to the New Hampshire legislature. Where else is that happening? It's Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free and bring up whatever you want via the uh, the number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. That's the, uh, again, SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Joining me tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, well, there's a simple way to do that. You can just go and become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board with the AMP program for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board with the program over at AMP. Dot freetalklive.com. Great way to uh, to help the show and get some perks like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. AMP.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies, by the way, is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free, plus IHS is even going to cover your meals and your housing. Now, the seminars are for those simply curious about libertarian philosophy for those, and also for those who are passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. Head over to LibertarianSeminars.com and get registered today. Deadline to register for the summer sessions is March 31st. That's LibertarianSeminars.com. Now, one of the, the uh, folks in the chat room suggested that I was a little harsh with our last caller. Jeez, uh, Mike, I didn't feel like it. I, I thought... 
I told her they end, were really good. Toward the end, you know, he wanted uh, he wanted to be reassured that that uh, we weren't going to forget about uh, the other activists, and you you said that. You pretty much were going to forget about them. Yeah. I tried to. I got no. I re, I really just don't have that much of a use for libertarians that want to stay where they are. I, you know, that's that's the way I see it. I mean, I feel Fine bad if you want to do it, but don't think that uh, you know. Don't expect me to agree with you that you're going to have any success. Right. Because I see that the way I see it is the people that believe in liberty have been trying to have success spread out all over the country and yeah. all over the world for a long time. That hasn't worked. I'm not going to sugarcoat don't it. Tell me that um, you know that somehow or another <laughs> I'm supposed to support you in being active for liberty spread out all over the country when it, that doesn't work. Just forget about liberty. Concentrate on your wife. I understand. Look, you can't move because of your wife. Great. Take the time that you think about liberty and think about your wife. I Give her. Flowers, you know, do the things that you're supposed to be doing. Be a great husband and shut up about liberty. I think that's great advice because, you know, the, the two hours you might spend every month doing liberty activism isn't going to do jack squat as far as actually reducing the size of the state if it's just you and a handful of your buddies hanging out at the Libertarian Party meetings. As ineffective as I see where you're coming from on that, as ineffective as it is. I don't think we really gain anything by people in other states if they're not going to move, if they're doing something where they are. Marginally, I think they're you know they're at least voicing opposition. They are voicing the libertarian opinion. I guess somebody's got to do it. To me, it seems like if you are passionate about trying to achieve liberty, the Free State Project is the best course of action. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, unless you're you know, to me, 20, it is. if you're 20 years old and you're hoping that maybe right before you die things start to turn around. Stay where you are. I guess you can keep that vague hope alive. Yeah, wait but it out. Other than See that, how it I mean, works. If, if you want real-world results, come to New Hampshire. I mean, I, I would just recommend that people check it out. If you're skeptical about it, uh, we have the Liberty Forum in the winters here. The Free mm-hmm. State Project puts that on. was super this year. It was yeah. awesome. I'll meet and have coffee with anybody who comes to Keene, New Hampshire. No doubt about much. it. And we've got, coming up this year in the summer, we've got pork fest, so you can meet a great, not all the activists here in New Hampshire, but a great deal of Hundreds them. Hundreds of them. Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of them all together in the same place. Uh, far more than whatever showed up at your Wisconsin State Libertarian Party uh, convention this year. I remember when I was at the Florida Libertarian Party convention, there were maybe 70 people there. And, that's and this is for Florida. Florida. How many millions of people live there? <laughs> there are more people that 16, live in the uh, Tampa... 16 last I heard. It's probably, it's probably 20. There are more people that live in Tampa Bay, Florida, than there are in the entire state of New Hampshire. Yeah. So 70 people showed up at the Libertarian Party of Florida meeting. We can do that on a weekend if we try. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. Right here. I mean, that would just be regional people. So, yeah, and every week here, this is something that, that Sam and I were talking about the, this weekend at Social Sundays where we had, I don't think I mentioned this on the air, but we had mass civil disobedience going on at Social Sundays this week. People were out throwing a Frisbee in the central, actually we did talk about this on the air, but anyway, people were throwing a, a Frisbee, and that's apparently illegal in this little central square area of New Hampshire, and so there was mass civil disobedience going on. Nothing like that would ever happen where I come from. I mean, there would never be anything other than politics going on. And Nick, you pointed out rightfully so that the political scene here in New Hampshire is much more palatable than anywhere else. You've got over 400 so-called representatives compared to, as one uh, somebody we were talking with recently pointed out, that California, with its millions of residents, has 120 representatives. Yeah. So, I mean, your state reps are people that maybe you don't know them, but if you live here... You can call most of them. You can call up at home, and there's somebody who lives probably within a few miles of you. 
unless you're way out in the woods, but they're, they're people that are your, essentially your neighbors. And if you don't like them, you can run against them. And in many cases... For very little. For right. a very little amount. In many cases, the, whatever party they're not a member of will be happy to stick you on the ballot right. because Paper nobody candidates else wants have a to chance run. here. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you just, just sign up to win, you could very well win. It's, it's happened. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard so many stories of it happening. So the political scene here is much more palatable than anywhere else. But outside of that is what's really exciting to me. I mean, I used to be involved in politics down in Florida, and I saw how the Libertarian Party failed and failed and failed and failed again. And yet they kept just throwing the same old S up against the same wall and seeing, hopefully, oh, it's four years, been four years, maybe it'll stick this time. Uh, it, it never really worked out. And so it's the other things that are really exciting and really unusual to the Liberty Movement. I mean, we've got disobedience happening here in New Hampshire. It's not widespread. It's not all over the place. It's not a whole bunch of people doing it, but it's something, and it's something the Libertarian Party could never claim to be involved in ever in the past, and and the Libertarian Party still isn't involved. I'm just pointing out it's a liberty-minded occurrence, and it's only happening here. Yeah, I do want to point out that since we have referenced the Libertarian Party, one thing that hasn't really taken off in New Hampshire as a result of the Free State Project is the Libertarian Party. (laughs) My reasoning on that is that it's easy enough. I mean, we've had Free State Project members who have moved and become state reps already, not on the LP ticket, and we've had natives like myself who pretty much share the same views mm-hmm. get elected. The Libertarian Party is not really necessary because you can get elected as you know a Republican, a or, Republican Democrat. or Democrat or or undeclared. Know, or yeah, I mean, you could. So it's. It's not re- if you're going to look at the New Hampshire Libertarian Party and expect it to, you know, use that as a barometer of the health of the Free State Project, you're going, you're not really going to be getting a very good picture. That's a great point. Well, I'm yeah, not, a, I'm, I'm not really that interested in the New Hampshire Liberty. Uh, I don't even Libertarian know what, Party. I mean, I know I, they exist. They're nice but, people, and I support them. But you, I mean, you know, and I'm, li- I'm liable to vote for their candidates. However, if I were to run, I wouldn't run under their, their, um, you know, banner. I'd run. Just makes whatever, harder. I, whatever not. party was the big one uh, or made sense for whatever run. You'd run as a Democrat time. if you're in Keene. I mean, that's what you want to do, right? You run as a Republican if you're in one of the surrounding towns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense. And that I don't think it's dishonest. I mean, as long as you're not dishonest about your viewpoint. Right. I mean, but the parties here, I mean, you can get a wide range of opinions in the Republican Party. There were people already elected as Republicans who were pretty close to what would be called a libertarian, would pass for libertarian in most parts of the U.S. So it's not really disingenuous to do that, I don't think. It's just practical. Unlike the Libertarian Party in most parts of the country. So, do I want the best for Mike and the others who are staying where they are all across the country? Of course I do. I want everybody who wants it to be able to attain liberty in their lifetime. I want that for everybody around the world, not just people in this country. I think the whole world should be free. But do I really, am I going to spend any of my time concerning myself with what goes on elsewhere? Absolutely not. Not concerned with, uh, with what's going on elsewhere at all. You know, why would I be concerned? Yeah. The federal government? I just don't think there's, I don't think that there's anything that a free New Hampshire could do if it was a state, by free I mean uh, a libertarian New Hampshire, you know, a very low tax, uh, small government New Hampshire could do as a state in the union. I don't think there's anything they could do. Is all we'd do is be under the... the you know, control of Washington, D.C. It's no going to get bigger and bigger, people. 
So it's the other stuff that's going on uh, that's really exciting to me. Nick, you've got Free Minds TV. It's your uh, your show, and you and Toby, the hosts, are actually New Hampshire natives, which is one of the most exciting parts about the Free State Project is that these incoming liberty-loving people, like Mark and myself, have invigorated the uh, some of the more dormant New Hampshire liberty-loving natives that have been kind of bummed out by all the mass holes coming up here and, uh, and getting active and turning this into Massachusetts North. Uh, and so a lot of people have been really jazzed up. You guys have been on the air now for a couple of years doing Free Minds TV. You can see that over at freemindstv.com. But it's not just you guys. It's, of course, Free Talk Live. We've got Sam now from the Obscure Truth Network. He's based out of Keene. We've got Dale uh, from anarchyinyourhead.com doing comic strips. He's based out of Keene. So we're, we're not only doing politics in a much more successful manner than anybody has ever done in the Liberty Movement so far, but we're also doing media in a way that's never been accomplished before. Because I remember there's a guy uh, there's a guy who listens to the show named Rich, uh, Sovereign Solutions Rich from Montana. He moved here from Montana as part of the Free State Project. And he had his own TV show out in Montana, which is great. But it was a one-man operation. I mean, you could he was starting his own camera, going in front of the camera and, and you know, talking into it because he didn't have anybody to help him there. But if you want to put on your own TV show here in New Hampshire, you just say, okay, I'm starting this show. Here's when I'm going to do it. Who can help? And you'll have... You'll have volunteers step up and come and help you with your project. I mean, how many people are working on Free Minds TV these days? Several. I mean, we have people who float in and out, but a lot. More coming up. Hour 3 is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit (laughs) amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. So we are uh, launching here at Hour 3. You dial in about anything. Otherwise, we'll talk about things interesting to us. We are talking briefly about the idea of secession. Uh, in the last hour, we were talking about the Free State Project, and Mark, you and I are both Free State Project members. Nick, you actually are a member, correct? Uh, you just didn't have to move anywhere because you live in New Hampshire. I'm not a member. No. You're not. Who is that? Somebody is. One of our co-hosts. Nick wasn't old, wasn't old enough to even consider signing up for it before. Uh, um, I, yeah, that's what kept me out. I considered it, actually, oh, okay. but it, it was strongly discouraged that if you're under 18, you signed up. I think I was... Fifteen at the time. What, how how many years? It's been five years. Two thousand one right is when it came out. Two thousand and one. Fifteen sounds right to me. Yeah, some, something about there. So uh, so here we are now. We're talking about we were talking about the Free State Project secession, and I mentioned that we've got a lot of great Liberty Media here in New Hampshire, and one of those great sources is the New Hampshire Free Press, uh, put out by a couple of really awesome civil disobedience activists, Russell and Cat Canning. And they do this as a labor of love, the New Hampshire Free Press. They don't do it for the money. (laughs) They are not making a dime off of this, uh, but it's still a great newspaper, and they distribute over 5,000 copies, around 5,000 copies, every single issue to uh, across New Hampshire. So they really do a great job with it in the – there was a recent article in the most recent edition that I thought was so great, I thought it needed to be shared on the air. It's by the publisher himself, Russell Canning, who I happen to be a fan of. I like Russell. He says this, the 400 plus men and women that meet in the New Hampshire State House this time of year are discussing whether or not New Hampshire should remain a part of the U.S. no matter what the feds do. A handful of reps decided to put forth a bill, HCR 6, that proposes that if the government in Washington, D.C. decides to implement measures like mandatory national service, which seems like it's inevitable, 
uh, will then, at that point, New Hampshire will leave the Union. And Canning says, that seems pretty reasonable to me. Upon entering the United States, New Hampshire, like the majority of other states, left themselves room to voluntarily leave the arrangement. And this bill is patterned after similar resolutions and declarations penned by Thomas Jefferson. So I'm asking you, would you prefer to stand with or against the current incarnation of the U.S. federal government? It's a simple question. To me, the current administration seems bent on repeal, or repeating rather the New Deal, Vietnam War, Great Society, and most planks of the Communist Manifesto. That is probably why Republicans in New Hampshire want out and are explaining themselves on Fox News on a weekly basis. The last administration took us on a wild journey of fascism, including starting an endless war, giving money to their buddies, and printing dollars based on uh, 9-11 changing everything. That's probably why Democrats called for ending the war and voters ousted the Republicans from senator down to dog catcher in New Hampshire. However, the, Repo- the Democrats in Washington that are newly in there, have they gotten us out of Iraq? Nope, of course not. Nope, they put more troops in. They Since- have a surge going on. Since I don't want to be part of the never-ending killing of Arabs and stealing from and intimidating Americans, I have chosen to not pay federal taxes whenever and wherever possible. I also really like the idea of New Hampshire peaceably leaving the empire. Many people are unwilling to do either, and I believe this is mostly based in fear. And I happen to agree completely. It's, it's fear that is crippling this movement. And it's fear... That is one of the things that will be overcome as more of us get together. And I think that's one of the most important parts about what's happening with the Free State Project is that concentration of activists is breaking down some walls, I think, in people's minds. This, the, the fear that people have of what the government might do to them if they get too active or too noticeable or, or whatever, what the government might do. You know, they might drop a bomb. They might roll in tanks. They might abduct you in the middle of the night. They might this. They might that. We know they're violent. We know they're dangerous, and they know that we are afraid. But if that changes, if the fear starts to melt away, and it begins to be replaced bit by bit with courage, well, that's when everything changes. Because as soon as activists stop being afraid of what the consequences might be and start doing what's right more often, instead of just cowering in fear and hiding behind their uh, political candidates or whatever political processes they've been involved with, then all of the rules change. The whole game changes. And so that's, uh, I, I absolutely agree. I think fear is crippling this movement. I think the Free State Project will help overcome uh, that. There, that's another point that people bring up as a reason they don't want to move to New Hampshire is, the idea about whether you would just be making yourself a target. Rolling in tanks. And my answer would be absolutely you're making yourself more of a target. If you're going yep. to be effective at all as an activist trying to roll back the state, you're going to become a target for them. And there's no way to get rid of the state without putting yourself on their radar screen. Absolutely. Regardless of where you are. Right. I don't this is th- an organization with the monopoly privilege on violence. You don't think that there's at least some risk? I don't know what the risk is. I don't. I, I, I don't believe that there's guys with sunglasses with a, a sniper rifle trained on me from every building around. I don't believe that. But is it possible that they've bugged some places or some cars or something around here? Could be. Are they keeping watch on us? Well, we know that they're watching the message boards and stuff like that. I I don't imagine they're going to roll tanks into a a state of uh, 1.3 million, but 
I, you know, I mean, they could, could do that anything. anyway. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you're somehow safe because you're a libertarian activist and whether it's with Wisconsin or Texas or Florida, wherever you happen to be, it's just not true. I mean, the fact that it's you're geographically concentrated, I'm not sure that that gives the government an advantage if they start to round you up. You're trying to round up well-armed people if they think they're getting rounded up to go off to the concentration camps or something they're you know that's if they're all in one place that's actually a bad deal for the government but if you're out somewhere in say florida or wisconsin all by yourself or maybe you've got a couple of buddies that live right. nearby who if share you were your effective views, in some way right uh, you're going to be rounded up without much of a fight and you're you're probably going to be too scared to do anything and the government's not going to be particularly concerned about the backlash so i think Concentrating yourself does make you more of a target, but it makes you a less practical target for them to act on. Well, yeah, and you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to put on the line for freedom? If what you're willing to put on the line is nothing at all and just every four years run a candidate, and of course you can even, you can even be targeted for running candidates, so don't give yourself any illusions whatsoever. If, if you're running a candidate that the establishment considers a viable threat... Then they're going to all of a sudden come into your place of business and they're going to find violations of the health code or whatever. They could very easily target you even for participating in the political process. So you have to think about how much you want to put at risk in order to achieve liberty in your lifetime. And if what you want to risk is little to nothing, then what is your return going to be? It's going to be very little to nothing. And that's what we've been getting. So I think the people that are moving here understand that there are risks involved. But what they also understand is that if they stay where they are, then you can look at the trend and you can look at the pattern. And the reality is the government gets bigger and more intrusive and more oppressive year after year after year, regardless of how many candidates and how successful the Libertarian Party is at doing its thing. The government keeps getting bigger. So if you stay where you are and you keep doing what you're doing, sure, you can hope for something to break and to change and all of a sudden happen to you know, have Florida turn into the magical land of liberty. But it, based on past experience, that's not very likely to occur. Uh, what is yeah. and quit annoying me with your fantasies. What is likely to occur is that the government will continue to grow and you will continue to pay more taxes. You will continue to obey more regulations. You will continue to bow down for more absurdities and you will continue to you'll be able to speak out about it. You know, you can talk about it. You have the, you have the freedom to speak out in this country. That's least, been going well. Right. At least at this time you do. Though we know that in Florida, they recently arrested that cameraman across the street from the, uh, the Miami High School. And there have been several instances of uh, the press being uh, harassed and arrested around the country. So for now, you can speak out about it. But eventually, who knows? I mean, eventually, we know the government will get more depraved and more violent and more dangerous and more expensive. So you're risking that. I mean, that's it's, it's not even really a risk. It's like it's an inevitability. Because it's not turning around. Well, it's not even looking like it it's going to It could be that around. the federal government uh, you know, borrows so much money and uh, devaluates its currency to the point that, you know, since there are regional governments called states around that uh, it just sort of dissolves and doesn't go through very violent death throes. And then the states kind of create these regional countries uh, and, you know, confederacy sort of situation. It could That's be no better. Not really that much. I mean, I don't want the feds around. I'd rather have the you know regional uh, Florida, Florida, G Georgia, Alabama government than the feds. But that's not to say that the Florida, Alabama, Georgia government won't be more tyrannical than the feds. Who knows? I'm just saying it's 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 a hope that one might have if if one. That's thinks all it is. Though. It's just too cold in New Hampshire. That's all it is. It's just hope. It's you know it's a hope off in the distance somewhere. So is it really that risky to get together with other liberty-loving people and get active? No, because you're guaranteed tyranny otherwise. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give to you. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their sites. Ours are free, including the archives. That's an entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloaded convenience. All free for you at freetalklive.com. Coming up, starting tomorrow, the 57th running of America's legendary sports car classic runs Saturday, March 21st at Sebring International Raceway. But the party begins tomorrow. The mobile 112 hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida, features the fastest race cars in the world. Gates open tomorrow for four days of action, culminating with a big 12-hour classic on Saturday the 21st. For ticket information, visit SebringRaceway.com. It's not too late. Sebring, the biggest sports car race of them all. SebringRaceway.com. So, uh, so continuing here, we've got a story from Russell Canning at the New Hampshire Free Press. Great liberty-oriented newspaper published by a couple of, uh, I, I don't know, would they call themselves voluntarists? Would Russell call himself a voluntarist? I don't know. I don't know. He's not here to answer the question, but they're great folks. Uh, and Russell's writing an article about, well, what side do you stand on? Do you stand with or against the federal government? And Russell points out that the federal thugs are very good at intimidating people. Because earlier he pointed out that the uh, that, that people are afraid to do anything. Well, and, and humans are very good at convincing themselves that they want what they have in the you know in in the, in the way of government and, and and their life and things like that. Um, so you know, often people who are afraid will say, "Well, it's good. It's the best. Uh, you know, it's best country in the world." You know, those things like that to to convince themselves, but. You know, really what it is, is it's just the status quo and not wanting to do anything and not wanting to stick one's head up. Well, it feels more comfortable to say it's the best. I mean, if if the status quo kind of sucks, but it's a better suckage than the rest of the world, then you can tell yourself that it's, you know, hey, this is the best. This is the best day. Hey, it doesn't get better than this around the world. We should feel happy and good about this. And people people tend to want to at least be reassured and feel like they are living in the best possible scenario, even if they're not. I think people are just disposed to thinking positively You know, there's freer states than others, too. New Hampshire's at uh, the top of the list as far as free states. There was just one that came out, rec- a little poll that came out recently, but apparently, I think it's uh, South Dakota, New Hampshire, and some other state are the, mm-hmm. the freest ones out there. And, um, you know, so to say that you live in the freest country, well, maybe you do. You don't, actually. But <laughs> all you have to do is go looking around the internet, and you'll find out that, well, likely Ireland's freer, and uh, Hong Kong, um, you know, there's there's other places that are more free than the United States. So that, that statement's Certainly true. Certainly economically. But you don't live in the free a state likely no not likely unless you're listening from new hampshire so you know freedom eh, doesn't probably not that important to you and i'd like to bring up something that i've been thinking and about that's recently. okay and i haven't got it really nailed down so don't expect me to come up with this this huge uh, this this you know this crystallized thing for you to think about but as far as people moving, people don't don't move, uh, you know, won't pick up and move for good reasons. There's a they, job. People usually move for people jobs. People move for jobs, and sometimes they'll move for love. But yep. they won't move for much else. Think about black people in the rural south. Black people in, you know, you pick your state, Mississippi, Alabama, okay. Louisiana, uh, you know, there's Georgia. It depends on where. But post-Civil War, they could have gone anywhere they wanted to, and many of them did. You know, they went to Chicago. They went up, uh, you know, Detroit. They, they went where the jobs were. Some of them did, but probably a majority of them, I would say, stayed where they were. It's easy to stay. 
and they just lived with it. They still, more than a hundred years later, are treated. They they live, you know, in worse economic conditions, and they are treated like second-class citizens in these places. However, they still won't move. So it just goes to show that the human animal likes the status quo more than he likes, uh, you know, something good. He, well, we know people don't like change. Yeah, they they, just, resi- they resist it at every turn. So I don't I don't know where I'm going with it, but it's it just goes to show that people don't move. Well, you're drawing a, you're drawing a comparison between uh, you know the black uh, people in the South after the Civil War and how they're still staying down there and being abused by the system because the man is still in charge for the most part. Uh, and you're comparing them to these supposed liberty-minded people that are they want to have freedom, but they don't want it bad enough to actually pick up their lives and move. Of course, we're accepting, you know, those of you who are, are taking care of the sick grandmother. And there, I think there are some some people that have some real good reasons to stay where they are. I'm not saying that and, the, the, you know that, that there's no reason to, um, to to stay where you are. However, but it's easy to stay. There. Well, the reason that you're staying is something that's more important to you than liberty. And that's okay, right? I mean, that's right. okay. It's all right to stay where you are because you love your girlfriend or you love your uh, your husband or, you know, you, your job is the best job you could ever possibly imagine having or you need to take care of grandma or you just love the weather. It's okay to do all of those things. And I know that we get heat when we when we talk about this kind of stuff sometimes. Because right? people, people feel the conviction. They do. Yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they hear us saying things like, well, you're not good enough. And I'm not saying that. No. I'm just saying you don't value liberty. Liberty enough. Right, you're good enough to run Disputed. your own life. <laughs> right, you're, you're good enough to run your own life, and that's what you're doing, and you're doing a great job of it. You should continue doing whatever it is that makes you feel good. And if what makes you feel good is to stay right where you are, doing right what you're doing, then great, keep at it. But if what you want is to be free, then I'm telling you, your best opportunity is here in New, is here in New Hampshire, and I challenge anyone else to deny it. At 800-259-9231. So Canning points out that they jail and they abuse tax resistors, and they're happy, talking about the feds, they're happy to remind you what they did to the last group that seceded from their indivisible union. So, do you support the federal government with your time, money, or relative quiet obedience? Do you agree with their missions and methods, or are you just afraid of what they might do to you? What will guide your actions? Jesus Christ instructed his followers to love others, including their enemies. And Russell, by the way, is a very devoted Christian and one of the great Christians who is not someone who is out there trying to shove it down people's throats. He'll tell you about it if you ask him. Yep, he uh, will. I, I love Russell. I love hanging out with him. He's a you know, he's, he's a perfect example of somebody who leads with their life. He's a real he's, Christian. He's a humble man who makes, you know, like you, you would think he was a loudmouth, and he does like to talk and um, that kind of thing. But he's, you know... I I worked with Russell every day for a, a couple of months. months, and I I was struck by his humility. That's what I was struck by. He's, uh, he says, uh, so how can I support the abuse or killing of foreigners? He also said hating your brother was equivalent to murder. So how can I hate and kill the thugs that run and work for the, fe- the evil feds? Christ also told us not to worry about tomorrow and where our food, shelter, and clothing would come from. So it makes sense for me to take steps to not cooperate with the gang that calls itself the U.S. government and encourage its members to quit, even though it might look scary to buck the system. Mondas Gandhi said power is of two kinds. One is obtained by the fear of punishment and the other by acts of love. Power based on love is a thousand times more effective and permanent than the one derived from fear of punishment. So Russell, Russell says, well, which power will compel you? The state of New Hampshire will not be willing to stand up to the feds. They're motivated by fear and money. 
But are you willing to walk a path that leads away from the empire and its slavery and towards helping others? Each step doesn't have to be large, just in the right direction. And I think that ties in, in a great article over at NewHampshireFreePress.com, I think that ties into something that I've been saying for a little while on this show, and that is that when we talk about things like civil disobedience... This is a poignant article. It agrees with what I say. Uh, when we talk about civil disobedience, talk about taking baby steps. Nobody should jump into this 100%. You don't need to jump into the deep end of the pool. Just practice saying no to the government people on little things. Practice saying no. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to pay. And you'll be surprised what happens. You'll be surprised who you influence. You'll be surprised who follows your lead. uh, 1-800-259-9231. Your comments about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in toll-free and you bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you free, including the bulletin board system. Got over 400,000 posts there. In fact, I think it's over 450,000 at this point over at bbs.freetalklive.com. You can get interactive at bbs.freetalklive.com. You know email is not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com. It's an easy-to-use, secure email alternative, and it's guaranteed. You can sign up today for a free account at privacyharbor.com. Because normal email is not secure. As we go to your phone call, Steve is on the line in South Carolina. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Ian, Nick, and Mark. How are you? What's on your mind, Steve? Um, You know, you were talking about the the black people and some moved to Chicago, Detroit, New Jersey. Yeah. From the South. But, you know, I was thinking, I've, I've been to public schools. I've been intertwined with black people all my life. Um actually living with a girlfriend for over six years. And and the thing that I found is that extended families are a mindset not only for blacks, they are for whites as well. And it means a lot for a family to be close and the grandkids, great-grandchildren, nieces, nephews, so on and so forth. And back in the 50s, you know, in that era, I believe that there was, um, the mother stayed at home, the father went to work, but then you ended up with a nuclear family later on in life where both parents had to work just to afford an income to, to keep the family and the house, the mortgage paid. Um, so, you know, I understand your point about, you know, if you want to be free, then, you know, you, you need to just go somewhere where you can actually be free. And the people, what you're saying, are settling and I believe you're absolutely correct. They are settling, but I, I, I think they're comfortable with it because sure they are. They have the love and the care of their family, their extended family, and you know uh, the thing is, I don't know. So do the people in Cuba. Just to just to be clear, I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they, they came out came down an order in the uh, early to mid '90s uh, from the Cuban government to eat eggshells in order to uh, increase calcium in your diet because God. you know things weren't going so well with the distribution of food there. So those people have the solace yeah. of their family. Well, 
I don't think there's any eggshell eating in the South. No, I'm not saying there there was at one point. I mean, certainly black people live have lived in uh, you know worse economic conditions. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Wicks, who works for the show, uh, said that he had family that still had an outhouse when he, he was young. Mm, yeah, that was the way they used the bathroom. I mean, he's he's not he's my age. But my girlfriend's only seven years older than me, so she's fifty-one, and she had an outhouse. And okay. she lived with her grandmother. I, I'm so sorry, but I'm, I think that taking a crap in the hole in the ground out in the yard is is somehow on par with eating eggshells in order to get calcium. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I see it. What's your critique here? I'm just saying that that the um, that that uh, people people making these compromises for family, uh, you know, they they that they're they don't have much, you know, maybe they have the love of their family, but you know that like that's it. They're compromising a lot for that love. Well, I mean, don't you compromise what you do for your children? I, I compromise all kinds of things. Through. Life is a compromise. Well, that's true. However, so I don't, I don't eat eggshells for calcium, and I don't crap in the yard. We're just talking about a difference of degrees here. And what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, Steve, is that there are some people who are so dedicated to their family that they're willing to put up with some conditions that they otherwise could avoid by simply moving out of them. And there's no doubt that that's true. Hmm? I'm out. I'm out. We, we, we have to compromise. You have to compromise in the state of New Hampshire. You know mm-hmm. that. As yep, we sure. Do. I mean, we all have to make compromises in life. I mean, that that's just part of being alive. I, I agree. With, I have no problem with it. As I say, I support you, man. If if what you want is to spend your life with your family where they are, that's great. I say more power to you. I'm somebody who subscribes to the uh, the kind of the Harry Brown view on things, and that is that you know you should do whatever it is that uh, that that you want, whatever it is that's best for your life. And if that means that you need to cut ties with your family, then you need to do that. But if what you want, if your if your priority is your family and that's so important to you then then stick with them but harry points out that the family that the family can be a trap for people that they've been raised in this mindset and it's it happens all over this country that people are raised with this mindset that family is just so much more important than everyone else for whatever reason these random strangers that you were born into you have to be born into a group of random strangers that might have similar dna coatings as you but otherwise may not have anything whatsoever to do with as far as being in agreement with you. Some family members are at each other's throats. So just because you're a family member with them shouldn't mean that you give them any extra attention or care than you would any other of your close friends or your or your associates. Right. Good people are good people, whether you're related to them or not. Exactly. So that's... You know what? You know, absolutely, you have a very, very good point. And I mean, that's opened my eyes because now I'm thinking about it. It's like, well, you, you, you have a good point. I mean, it could be a trap at the same time. These people cared for you, so isn't there some sort of balance reciprocity? There is not. The uh, your mom and your dad had you to satisfy themselves, I'll and tell you, you don't that's owe them anything. Had, that's why I had Jack, and having having Jack as a baby, you know, right now um, at at one year old is is payment enough for for feeding and taking care of Jack. That's what I wanted. So I don't think you owe anybody anything that's just because not. they decided to have sex and have a kid. Well, yeah, I understand that. But for 18 years, while you're considered a non-adult, I mean, these people have taken care of you. They put a shelter. They put clothes on. They fed you. I mean, come on. There's got to be some sort of, you know, uh, 
recompense where you say, you know what, I owe these people a little bit something. And That's just the, fine. The, the, I understand uh, this is a common mindset. Treat them with respect. Well, right. And, and it all depends on who you're talking about here. I mean, if you're talking about a fa- somebody who did love you and take care of you and is, is, was good to you throughout their entire life, I'm not saying you should leave that person in the gutter, but if that same individual beat you, if you were being raised in a household where uh, you were physically abused or starved or whatever, there's no obligation to that individual, and there's no obligation to the people that took good care of and you And those either. individuals that beat people are the ones that are going to lay the, the, the guilt on you the heaviest. I raised you, daughter. Those are the people that are going to lay it on the thickest, because the good parents aren't as likely. They want their, par- their kids to go out and spread their wings and have a good life and be independent. Well, you know, what's really good about that is because they actually, they condone that. And what you do is you go out and you spread your wings. And then when you fail after a divorce and you just have a life-changing experience, you're like, holy crap, what am I going to do? And you come back home and you say, hey, can you take me in for a while? Because my mind is totally gone because I thought this was the life. And they're like, yeah, come on back. Just just chill, you know. And it's like, hey, thank God I have family. Yep. Great. And I'm not trying to take a dump on that. All I'm pointing out is that people have these preconceived notions that family is is more valuable than the other people that are close in their life. And I don't think that's true. I think that that family has some more value than the average person. Depends on who it is. Just because they have more connection to you, so they're connected more more so to you. But you can be as connected with somebody else if you so choose to be. You can be. And those people can become your family, if that's what you want to call them. I just think that there's a, there's a big mistake in thinking that just because you're related by blood, blood to somebody, that you owe them something or they owe you something. Nobody owes you anything unless you've explicitly agreed to, the, to owe them something, or unless there is some sort of, uh, some sort of an agreement. Yes, and I'm not talking about servitude just because you feel you owe somebody. I absolutely agree with you. You're absolutely right. The thing is, it's like, you know, when you're being brought up, you can teach a person to fish and they will be fed for the rest of their life or you can give them so on and so forth. But the point is, is that, I mean, these people care for you. They brought you up in a proper way. They brought you up. Well, that's not, I'm glad you had a good family life, but that's not a true statement for everyone. And, 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 well, that's where we have to leave it. We've got other people that want to talk about this, but I thank you for the call. They might have brought you up with a good life, Steve, but some people they might have inculcated with some really bad ideas. They might have taught them a very destructive uh, religion that, that, you know, that poisoned their mind. They might have, again, suffered physical, mental, or uh, sexual abuse. So I'm glad you had a good family life and you feel like you owe them something for it. But there are a lot of people that had awful family lives, and they feel that they owe their parents something. That's a big mistake. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial toll-free. Bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. Just enough time for your call at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features we give away. So enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by learning how to promote us at promote.freetalklive.com. Easy, simple ways, and many of them very low-cost. 
totally free. Uh, ways to get this show into more ears around the, the world, around the country, around your local area, head over to promote.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is having 12 different seminars going on over the summer in locations across the country, different dates, different places. You have to check, go to the website and check it out. Participation is free at them. Also, the IHS covers meals and housing. Uh, the, they, these seminars are for people who are you know new to the libertarian philosophy, to those who are passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. Go to libertarianseminars.com and register today. The deadline is March the 31st, libertarianseminars.com. I want to continue with the calls in a moment. Just a few more thoughts on Harry Brown's book, uh, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. It's something I was referencing a few moments ago as we were having this conversation with Steve about family and whether or not people have some sort of obligation to their family for taking care of you. And there's more to the family trap than, than just that. And I just want to kind of outline what my understanding of Harry Brown's book was when he was talking about this. In his book, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World, which is great, I probably owe it to myself to go and review it again because it's been a while since I've read it. Uh, but in his book, and I'm sure he communicates it much better than I will here, he points out that there are all these different traps that people get caught up in when they're interested in doing what's best for them. You know, And, and with, if what's best for them is to find as much freedom as possible for themselves, because again, the book's all about how I found freedom in an unfree world, so dealing with the reality of the unfree world that we're in, being as free as possible mentally and, and physically, uh, that's some of the things he talks about. If what you want is to be more free, and maybe you're considering moving to New Hampshire, and you're looking at New Hampshire, you're looking at the Free State Project as as a serious option in your life, but something that's holding you back is this mindset that you owe something to your family. Let's say you had a great family, like it sounded like Steve did. It sounded like they took real good care of him. I sure do. And that, yeah, you you love your mom. I mean, Mm -hmm. you and her are real close. And uh, I like my dad. I'm not a huge fan of my mom these days, but, you know, I loved her when I was growing up as a kid, well, when I didn't know much about her. She doesn't agree with you on, on issues. That's right. the reason you're upset with her. That, that... But let's presume we're talking about somebody who has a really great relationship with their family. If what they really want is to be free and they realize that they can't have that freedom that they're looking for where they're at, if being with family stops them from going and pursuing their dream of being free, then that's kind of tragic if that's not what they really wanted. If what they want is to be free and they don't choose that because they feel some sort of sense of obligation to family, and this is, this is programmed into us in our society. It's, in, it's all across the media. It's all in, in, in the, the popular culture, this idea that you owe something to your family and that it's somehow beneficial to be close by to them. In many cases, it may be true. But if your priority is to be free and you're restricting your freedom because you have some sort of preconceived notion about what you owe to your family, in my opinion, you've made a bad choice for yourself. So you can choose to still love your family from a distance. A lot of people do it when those job offers come along that like we were talking about before. If it's a $100,000 right. job, See, then all is, of a sudden family's not that important right. anymore, that's, right? That's the, uh, the the hypocrisy of it all is you say that uh, freedom's and you know people say that freedom's important. However, they're going to pick up and leave uh, their family if that $100,000 a year job comes along. So, you know, let's uh, let's let's put it all into perspective here, shall we? Exactly. So what Harry Brown uh, is is saying in his book, or it's been a while since I've read it, but what my understanding was of what he was saying is you have to be willing to cut the strings. 
There are certain things that you have to just be able to let go of to some extent in order to embrace the freedom that you're looking for. And in many cases, it can be things, too. In many cases, uh, sometimes you have to get rid of a bunch of possessions that you might have in order to be more free. I sold my 76 Eldorado convertible. It just cause wasn't going to make the trip. Or for many people, it's a house. I mean, some people, if they've been living in the same place for a long time, a lot of people are pretty attached to the place where they live. If they've been there for years or decades... It's comfortable. It, it's easy. Yeah, it's your place. But if, if you want something different than what what there is to offer where you're living... You can't do it from that house. So I loved my old house down in Florida. It was beautiful. I put a lot, put of, money a lot of money into, into it. it. And uh, I put a lot of, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the front yard making it look very pretty. And uh, it was, a, I was a very proud of that house. But I had to understand. It was the first house you ever owned, too. Yeah. I had to get the, you know, I would have, it would have been best for me if I just moved up here to New Hampshire, I think, initially. But then again, I would have met Julia, most likely. So it's probably good I stayed down there. Anyway, uh, if I wanted to be free, I had to let go of my attachment to that place. I mean, I liked the house so much that I wanted to keep it and rent it out long distance. And I could have done that, but man, that's a really crappy deal. I'd like to tell you renting work long well. distance is a really bad idea. And I realized that I what, what I need to do is cut the strings, and I need to just let it go. I can have another house later on in life. I can spend a lot of money on another house some other time. It's fine. It's just a thing, and it can be replaced. Now, you're going to say, well, a family, they can't be replaced. I'm not saying abandon them. If you love your family, you can still love them from a different place, as many people will when they go and get a job. They can still come home for Christmas. They can still call mom every week if that's what's important to them. They can still continue to develop those bonds and those relationships. But if it just depends on your priorities. And so don't let this societal programming get in the way or whatever is comfortable get in the way of whatever it is that you really want. I hope I've explained myself. Check out Harry's book. It's, it does a much better job. How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. <clears throat> unfree World. We continue with Jim in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Jim. Hi. I got uh, two questions for you guys. Yes, sir. Um, to go back to the whole family thing real quick, I missed part of it. And I was curious about, on the flip side, as I'm having a child, and I know Mark has a kid. Yep. How does the attachment to your family, I can't just pack up and move and leave the kid it's my job to raise a child yes that's true you've entered a, a, a an, an agreement, agreement. Yes. okay i was just making sure that i didn't miss something on that <laughs> no i didn't mean to say that you should abandon any agreements you've made like if you've agreed to, with grandma to take care of her until she dies and then you all of a sudden kick her to the curb and move to new hampshire i don't know if that's a good idea <laughs> i was talking about uh as far as your family if you don't have any agreements with them as far as one taking care of another if you're just living your life and you feel attached to your family that's a time where you're going to want to take a look at cutting those ties so you can move and achieve whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's getting another job or whether it's going and being around a bunch of activists or, you know, whatever the reason is you want to do it. Don't let some sort of preconceived notion about what you should be doing, what is societally acceptable to do, uh, get in your way. So, no, I'm not suggesting you take your kid and throw him in a dumpster and, and move to New Hampshire. Not at all. Hopefully you can convince your loving wife uh, to come with you and bring your children. You can all come here together. Okay, we're all on the same page on that one. But I had one other issue. Uh, one of the callers earlier was from Wisconsin, and he was talking about, how, you know, we need to have the movement here, too. 
and not everybody has the ability to move to New Hampshire right now. That's you true. Know, maybe years down the road, yep, to be able to do. But what about the people that are still out here trying to do something? Is there any support for us or? Sure there is. He mentioned that there's the Campaign for Liberty, there's the Ron Paul meetup groups, there's the Libertarian Party. You guys can get out, you can get together and try to do something. I mean, there's not too much people in New Hampshire can do to support Wisconsin activism. Then again, there's not too much you can do from Wisconsin to support activism in New Hampshire. Right. So you can are send money. Of, yeah, I mean, you can send money, or I'm sure if there was a news story about you know some kind of awful law being passed or police abuse in Wisconsin... You know, if I were to see that, I would. Re- I, I, I on Free Minds TV, we report on stuff from not just the United States. Even we report on laws and and things like that from other countries. So, yeah, I mean, there's something we we can do to support, but not not that much. There's to be a, frank. I, I've, there's enough to support here in New Hampshire to to keep us all pretty busy. So it's very unlikely that a lot of support is going to be flowing out from New Hampshire to other activist movements around the, the country unless you're doing something really exciting. If what you're doing is just running another candidate, then you're going to have a tough time getting I think getting support from anywhere outside of your local area. Well, I'm not I'm not big into supporting. I haven't seen really any candidates as of late that I would have voted for with the exception of Ron Paul. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But um, I was just curious about that because you guys made it sound like if you're not in New Hampshire, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's really kind of irrelevant to me because I am here in New Hampshire and this is where all the action is. But as I've said, you know, if you're doing something exciting, if there's something newsworthy going on, Nick says he'll talk about it on his show. We've talked about people that have done civil disobedience in other states here on this show. And if there's something exciting and worthwhile going on, you'll get coverage and people will talk about it. There's just not much going on that I've seen. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Yeah, get something going. Get something stirred up. We'll support you. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.